You're listening to Greater LA from KCRW, the show that connects you to the people and places of Southern California. Hey there, I'm Steve Chiatakis. Today, off to a neighborhood just east of Venice Beach, to a strip of bungalows where you can smell the fresh salt air, and where once a week artists, influencers, and tourists from around the world flock here to see one thing. An entire home that has been turned into an art project. Like, there is no lawn, there are no garden beds. Every single piece of furniture, every single part of the house, both inside and out, is completely transformed into a piece of mosaic work. Madeline McHugh is describing the mosaic tile house. You may have seen it on Instagram, or maybe you know it from the hundreds of viral TikToks. And if you're in the area on a Saturday afternoon, you can check it out for yourself. That's what reporter Olivia Richard did recently. She brings us this story of creativity, love, and lots and lots of tile. Approaching the home, the first thing you see is a triangular roof rising into the sky. Every inch of it covered in mirrors, glass, and handmade tiles. Walking through the gate, you feel like Alice emerging into a wonderland. The vibe of the yard is still there. It still feels like a yard, but they've completely covered it in tile. They've completely covered their fence in tile and knickknacks. Madeline McHugh works here on Saturdays, handling the tourists. She walks towards the house, which is covered in steel structures, hand-painted tiles, strings of bottle caps, and artfully arranged knickknacks from across the city. A six-foot tile panda guards the front door. Across from the panda, psychedelic blue tiles cover a portico and water fountain sculpted out of winding towers of clay and steel. And it's everywhere. It's not like there's like little blank spots. There's a heart-shaped bathtub and even a steel-welded dragon that wraps around the fence. All in all, the home can be a lot to take in. It's like it's there's nothing that like it like that you, that you see anywhere. I keep thinking that there's gonna be inside like, oh, this will the be kitchen it. is a whirlwind. There's no cabinets, no drawers, just a few rainbow ceramic shelves. There's so much color and energy. The room practically glows, even with the lights off. This place is the love child of artist Gonzalo Duran and his wife, Sherry Pan. The Mosaic House is their home. And for nearly three decades, the pair have been inscribing their love for each other on its walls. They laugh and choke and can hardly keep their hands off each other. They say when you know, you know. And to hear Sherry tell it, she knew instantly with Gonzalo. So she went for it. I was buying paint, and he was, he was selling paint. And I reached over the counter and started kissing him. That kiss back in 1992 could have been the end of it, but... Well, see, if you kiss anybody, that's the beginning of something. And I didn't even know he was an artist for some months. And then it turns out he went to Chouinard Art Institute. So uh, all the boxes got ticked for me. Sherry, who makes each and every tile by hand has been working with paint for nearly 63 years. While Gonzalo, who has a master's in fine art, specializes in painting and constructing automaton sculptures. They bought the house in 1994. Back then, it had drab brown walls, but the pair set out transforming it, using each other as their muses. For instance, a recent mechanical creation of Gonzalo's depicts a man holding an oar 
sitting in what looks to be a bathtub, surrounded by colored jewels and photos of Sherry. As you turn the hand crank, the man begins to row back and forth. The piece tells of the day Sherry fell overboard while kayaking at the beach and of how Gonzalo jumped in to pull her out. Throughout the years, the couple's creative process hasn't changed all that much. Well, I make the tile and make sure everything's going and uh, it's basically a honeydew project because I'll say, "Hun, we need this wall fixed. We need a bench here. We need this, that. And then I let him go. And he makes the forms. Every inch of Gonzalo's work surface is covered in tools, glass, and tile. Gonzalo says, even at nearly 85 years old, he's still trying to find ways to be innovative. There's always the next project. I mean... You wake up and then you're full of ideas. The house was busy on a recent Saturday with tourists paying $20 for a tour. I mean, for heaven's sakes, Kazakhstan and Siberia have been here. Shen Lu was visiting all the way from Southeast China. Having been to Spain and loved the art there, she made a point to come check out the mosaics here in Venice. I have been to uh, Barcelona before, and this house reminds me of the, uh, the art of Gaudi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sherry says she hopes one day the home will eventually become a sanctuary and studio for local artists. It needs to stay open to the public, and it needs to be a living studio. That's what I want for it. It just became very clear it's too tempting to sell, and then it gets torn down. That can't happen. She wants to inspire a new generation of talent. In the back garden, she's dedicated a portion of wall to the creations and installations of younger mosaic artists. Each new tile on the gate adds to a dynamic love story too big for four walls. For KCRW, I am Olivia Richard. Let's go! Introducing the KCRW Donation Car, designed to be recycled. This first-of-its-kind vehicle will save you time, space, and hassle by disappearing. Enjoy the luxury and comfort of turning your underused car into a donation worth hundreds, even thousands of dollars. The KCRW Donation Car, already in your garage, driveway, or on cinder blocks outside your house. Act now at kcrw.com cars. More now with Greater LA from KCRW. I'm Steve Chiotakis. In just a few minutes, we'll be talking with renowned LA photographer Catherine Opie, who's got a new show with some shots of Los Angeles from the 1990s. But first, let's hear from another LA native on the virtue of women stealing cosmetics. The situation is women sometimes, sometimes upon birth, are forced into an economy you have to pay for your own subjectivity constantly, right? So if you don't have certain creams, powders, lotions, um, the state won't recognize you. Um, you can't get a job, right? It's really, uh, it's very violent. Kate Berlant is a comedian, an actor, and writer. She's had roles in films such as Sorry to Bother You, 
Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Don't Worry Darling, as well as roles in TV series like BoJack Horseman, Search Party, and the very memed appearances in the other two. And she wrote and starred in a one-woman comedy special called Cinnamon in the Wind, directed by Bo Burnham. And now she's doing another solo show, simply called Kate, at the Pasadena Playhouse. It starts next week, again, with Burnham directing. Kate Berlant, welcome to you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a thrill. It's a thrill for us, too. <laughs> By the way, I, I love the other two. It's, it, it's so funny. Um, you, you did Kate previously in New York where you spent a yes. large amount of your career. How, how does it feel to be back in L.A.? It feels exactly correct. You know, I have to say this show is very much about acting, being an actress. <laughs> uh, I think the backdrop of Los Angeles, which is where I wrote this show, although I did, as you said, performed it in New York a few times. Being back in L.A., having it be a homecoming feels very correct and tonally in line with the show. And you grew up here. I did grow up here. I grew up in Santa Monica, which I reveal in the show. Yes. Right by the radio station. Yeah. What are some of the, the elements of L.A. That, that you've missed since you, quote unquote, changed coasts? Oh, my God. I mean, there's something that's really, you know, everyone talks about the weather, but there is something the sort of the permanent sunshine can be um, almost a source of devastation in a way. So maybe that's not what I miss. It's exciting. But, you know. The, the way the weather punctuates your experience in other cities that's just not here, that kind of permanent blue sky, I will say I missed it, although I, it sounds like I am disparaging it. <laughs> I, I, I ultimately do like that backdrop. Um, I miss, you know, having a car to load groceries into. My Mazda was something that, that I missed dearly. And, you know, I'm just, I'm very romantic about Los Angeles, ultimately. I know it's, it can be disparaged or there's this sort of faux war between New York and L.A. culturally, but I've always been um, a defender of Los Angeles. <laughs> and I, what can I say? I love Hollywood, Steve. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, and of course you love Hollywood. You also grew up <laughs> in a very creative household, right? I did. My father is an artist. Um, a visual artist, I always feel the need to tell people my parents are not in the entertainment industry. Um, I had to claw my way here, Steve. But your, um, mother, your mother was a performer, yeah. right? And it's true. My mother is a hardcore ham, much like myself. <laughs> yeah, and, well, as ham, right? You have to be a ham, right? To be an actor, to be a comedian, for sure. Because there's like this oh, vulnerability on stage, right? That you're you're putting yourself out there as a performer. I mean, what what appeals to you about that? Oh, attention! You know, I wish there was something more. I've grappled with this. Is there something um, you know deeper? But I do think at the end of the day, what is it that makes me need that attention so desperately? And the sh the show that I'm doing is sort of ultimately really about that as well. The kind of the naked desire to be seen and adored. I mentioned you did Cinnamon in the Wind, and, and it left off with a, a, like a, a pseudo-audiobiographical show, right, about yourself, about Kate Berlant, right, the actor and the comedian. How, how do you delineate between the character that you perform on stage and the real you, the, the, the real person of Kate Berlant? Like, are you really, you're not a cosmetics thief, right? You don't, like, put things <laughs> in, like, lipstick and, and you know. Well, the, Steve, I've recovered. Yeah. I've recovered you recover? from that okay. addiction, All right. but um, I've recovered from my desire to, for petty theft. <laughs> Once I saw that Giuliani's daughter was arrested shoplifting from Sephora, I had to hang up my hat. 
because um, I realized even, Ryder, I, even right? I wasn't Remember? safe. Oh, I know. A huge champion yeah. of shoplifting. Um, yeah. No, it, it's funny to hear that clip because I'm reminded of the horror of hearing one's own voice. And that's that. So I should I should specify this show, Kate, that I'm doing at the Pasadena Playhouse is really not stand up. Um, it's maybe more akin to a play is the word I should use for it. Um, whereas my stand up, uh, well, to answer your question, there is a sort of I find that I'm constantly working with these ideas or problems of persona and anyone who is on stage essentially is a character, even if, you know, they're sort of pretending not to be. And stand-up is very much traditionally this, like, naked view of a person. Like, they're speaking directly from some pure self. And I've always struggled with that idea or that um, problem of, like, the self on stage um, and the confession and all of these themes that we also see so much just online and social media now. But this show Kate is kind of maybe about the struggle to perform and to present a clean identity or a clean narrative and when that performance of self fails and sort of what happens in that failure, um, there may be new possibilities and new creative places that we can go that we wouldn't have been able to go to before. And, and this is the second show of yours that's directed by Bo Burnham, right? Who's, who's yes. known for his comedy as well as his direction. Um, how, how does... How do you collaborate with him? Like, how does that work? Yeah, it's a very natural. I mean, I love collaborating with with friends. I collaborate a lot with my best friend, John Early and Bo. I've known for years and it just really is like the joy of working with your friends. And so Bo directed my stand up special, Cinnamon in the Wind. And then this new show, I was starting to get back on stage again after the pandemic, having not performed for the entirety of the pandemic and was sort of doing my stand-up again. And Bo, um, really just as a friend, but also as a director, was kind of like, what's like the next step for you? Like, what is this? I, I had to sort of ask myself. I felt like I was trying to pick up where I left off, but so much had changed, um, you know, in the time off stage. So I decided to, instead of just kind of continue to maybe prove the point I've been proving with my stand-up, maybe I should try to write something in a, in a whole new direction. And this show really is a departure from from how I've always been on stage. But of course it's still me and I'll never be able to get away from myself ultimately. But this, but this play <laughs> is not- Don't we um, all try and do yeah. that sometimes? <laughs> oh, I know, we really do. Uh, but, this, but this play is definitely, of course, connected to my standup because it's me, but it also is kind of a new thing in and of itself. You mentioned John Early. You're, you're also known yeah. for frequently collaborating. You, you call him your, your comedy soulmate. Absolutely. John, I met John in New York. Um, people, it's been falsely reported that I met him at acting school. I need to set the record straight here. I was rejected from acting school, um, which is, you know, an essential plot point, I think, in the story of my life. And whereas John was accepted into acting school and excelled. <laughs> and we met after we had both graduated from, from college. And yeah, we just had this immediate connection and had such a shared comedic language already. It was almost eerie. And we kind of looked back and watched videos that we had made before ever knowing each other. And there was just this, um, yeah, to, to say what you said, sort of a soul <laughs> creative connection there that continues to, to grow. When you're doing an actory performance of yourself in your shows, mm -hmm. do, do you feel there's a difference in how the audience responds in New York versus... Los Angeles, I mean, do you, is there a difference, or if you go to middle America, like, is there a difference between the audiences? Can you, can you feel that difference? 
Yeah, this is like this is sort of the question that I always struggle to answer because sort of my my immediate response is no. I, I have this sort of like feeling of like they're kind of the same everywhere. Of course, there are these differences, and New York is of course traditionally this huge theater town, so there's um, sort of embedded in that in the culture and fabric of New York, it's going out to see the theater, whereas LA um, doesn't have that <laughs> intrinsically in there. And so um, I, I kind of don't even know how to answer the question yet because I haven't presented this in LA yet. To me, you know, there are good crowds and there are bad crowds. What's the bad crowd do? <laughs> just if they don't just immediately love me, yeah. then I shut down. I'll still do the show, but just know internally I've ejected. You've hurt someone. <laughs> and so, I'm, so the performance will be you know, airtight. And if you don't adore me and adore the show, ultimately, that's abuse. <laughs> the show is called Kate. Kate Berlant, comedian, actress, writer, uh, acting school reject. I mean, so much over there. Kate Berlant, thanks yes. for coming on and talking with us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Onward now with Greater LA from KCRW. I'm Steve Chiatakis. Tomorrow on the program, remembering the Northridge earthquake almost 30 years ago to the day. Can you believe it? 30 years ago to the day with dance. But right now, pictures of Los Angeles across those last three decades by LA native Catherine Opie. As a professional photographer, she's captured many elements of American life and culture in her pictures. A new exhibition at Regan Projects in Hollywood turns the focus of Opie's work onto L.A., where she lives and works. It's titled Harmony is Fraught. The exhibition contains more than 60 photographs, and it looks into the personal and public lives of those right here in the Southland. And Opie joins us now with more about this exhibition, her 11th, by the way, 11th show over at Regan Projects. Catherine, welcome to you. Uh, thank you so much for having me on my favorite radio station of Los Angeles. Well, thank you. Thank you. And and what a talented eye you have. What kind of photos are shown in this exhibition? Is just everyday life in L.A.? Somewhat so, but it's more about the personal and the political in relationship to what I've done with other various bodies of work of L.A., and so one of the things that I've done over the years is my work is very concise within ideas or bodies of work. So what you have within this exhibition is 60 photographs that reflect on the city as a body, as a site of architecture, of events, of things happening in relationship to the queer body and my own queer identity, which, um, you know, I feel like when I first started making work here in Los Angeles, I was part of ACT UP and Queer Nation and doing really important work in relationship to that activism. And I felt like that activism needed to be revisited within this city again. You have taken, by the way, intimate portraits of the LGBTQ community, right? The queer community. And um, you've taken, but but not only that, it's it's not, you know, you're not, you're not a one trick photographer, right? I mean, you've done shots of solitude through ice houses in Minnesota. You've gone to football fields and, and, and shot players in Texas. I mean, you, you even took pictures of Elizabeth Taylor's home, which I, I find fascinating um, after she passed away, right? Well, during the time she was living and then three months into the body of work, uh, she passed away and I continued to photograph for another couple of months as they began to dismantle the house. 
What was that like? How did that, by the way, how did you, how did you get that job? And what was that like? Well, it's not, it was, it was, it was me trying to figure out how to make a portrait of Elizabeth Taylor and how I got it was we shared the same accountant, Derek Lee in Los Angeles of Reback and Lee. And so he kept saying to me, do you want to do anything with Elizabeth? You know, she's my client. And I kept kind of insisting that I wasn't a celebrity photographer. And uh, then I was really thinking I had photographed inauguration of Barack Obama's inauguration. And I was thinking about how to make a portrait, a different kind of portrait. And so I asked if I could make a portrait of her through photographing her home. Well, and it's such an L.A. story. Like you shared, what was it, accountants? Yeah, we shared the same same business manager. I mean, seriously, is that not how you network in L.A.? Like, you know, oh, my dentist hygienist is, you know, so-and-so. And so, you know, I got this job working this gig at the blank and blank, right? I mean, it's that's an L.A. story. Well, I know. It's like Marilyn Monroe being discovered in the, you know, soda fountain. It's, it is an L.A. story that all of our bodies interconnect. And that's kind of what Harmony is Fraud is about, is this connection of bodies and identity and relationship to the city that we all live in as it changes in these different ways, just as our bodies age and change. You've also photographed the highway system, right? The freeway system of L.A. I mean, that is that is quintessential L.A. It is. It is. It is. I like to take what is iconic. We think of surfers as surfing, but my surfers wait on their surfboards in between the sets. And so I often like to take what is iconic. Freeways are normally filled with traffic. Mine are all empty and not removed digitally. Um, so they're removed by waiting just as I wait while the surfers wait for the wave. And I like those kind of metaphors of what it means to bear witness in one's life and city. You're bearing witness through patience, right? You're you're looking at other people's patience, right? But you're also having to experience it on your own. Yeah, definitely. And and the patience of time unraveling is so interesting. You know, when you think about looking at the image of Langer's deli over in MacArthur Park, you all of a sudden recognize the the figure with the bag over his shoulder standing at a payphone. And then you realize that it's the same street scene you could see now, but it's from 1988, 89. And so it is that thing that in the same way that people now say, oh, Kathy, like I look at the freeways, like your photographs, or, or I, I think I saw one of your mini malls the other day. It is about the fact that this is a landscape at, that we traverse and that we have a history with. 60 photographs in this exhibition, by the way, at Regan. Um, what, do you want, what do you want to come out of this? Like, how do you want folks to see this body of work? Hmm. That's a really interesting question because I never really know what people will see within any of my bodies of work because art is so interpreted from different personal vantage points and experiences. But I suppose that they understand a thesis of a place and a love of a place and that um that within it there's this continuity with me living here and looking at the city and thinking about it and continuing to make work um that is important in the way that we think about this very complicated complex city that we live in it is complicated right this is a complicated place like there are a lot of i don't want to say opposing forces but a lot of things going on at the same time and it's busy and it's chaotic, but it's beautiful and 
you know, lovely in many ways, and the people, of course, make the big difference. And and your your shots of them or not of them, as it were, in some of your photographs are just really really nice. Catherine Opie's exhibition Harmony is Fraught runs from this Thursday all the way through March 3rd at Regan Projects in Hollywood. Catherine Opie, thanks for coming on. Congratulations on this new exhibit. Uh, Thank you very much for having me. That's all the time we have for today. Next on KCRW, it's Today Explained. More on the Yemeni rebel group that's been taking control of cargo ships in retaliation for Israel's war in Gaza against Hamas. That's coming up on Today Explained. Next, tomorrow on the program, as I mentioned, we're going to talk more about the 30th anniversary of the Northridge earthquake and how, well, one university is trying to cover it and look back at it through dance. That's tomorrow on GLA. Join us online anytime at kcrw.com slash GLA. Share a story idea, grab the podcast so you can get the show on the go. kcrw.com slash GLA. Juliana Mayo, Zoe Matthew, Kelsey Gante, Eddie Sun, Phil Richards, Ray Guarna, Amy Ta, Carlos Ramirez, Christine Camito, Mike Vogel, and Christian Bordall all helped run the episode this evening. I'm Steve J. Vegas. Thanks for the time. Thanks for that ear. Have a great night.